Hello and welcome to the round review. The round was preliminary final weekend and it is all thanks to Sportsmate, Footy Live and Simmons. And every day across Australia, it's tools up for Simmons because their people stand by their promise to start building your new home on time and on budget. So if you're ready to join hundreds of Australians, they're welcoming home each month. Talk to Simmons, the great Australian builder. Before I talk to Simmons, I want to talk to these guys because they kept a close eye on the results of the weekend and both reckon they're pretty good at predicting results, especially Nick Gulimino. My God, we call him Nostradamus. Nico, I'll start with you first. Did you expect the results we saw? Well, I've got a good track record of uh, uh, getting results right, I, I'd say. During finals, at least. Jeez, during finals. But, <laughs> what a shocking season of tipping, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I did. But it, it was a good week. It was a good weekend for footy, I thought. Um, I'll get into that a little later on. But mm. I thought we saw two great teams at the uh, peak of their powers. To answer the question, Nico, did you see it coming? Oh, I mean, I didn't see the results. Not Certainly not the margin. Oh. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. No, fair but, enough. Yeah. Gorda, you've doubted the demons all season. Do you finally, finally believe? No. I don't believe in the demons, <laughs> no. but we'll get to that in two weeks' time. Let the story build. Let the bathwater flood. Let it all happen, <laughs> and then let the underdogs come over the top and, and take the cup. Oh, my God. Again. I'll give you credit. You did say that the underdogs would come, the Bulldogs. You had faith in them, the whole final series, I think, even at the start, yeah. they lost three in a row to end the season and you still had faith. I'll go on that note. Gordo, tell me your hero, please. Well, my hero is going to be borrowed from from Nostradamus Nick, and that's <laughs> Jack McRae. Season average disposal, 34, and he stepped it up in the funnels. He did 36 last week against Port Adelaide, 39 against the Brisbane Lions. It's more than just disposals, but they're just an easy number to pull out. Mm-hmm. He is absurdly important for the Bulldogs, yeah. and he is just showing up and showing up week in, week out. And he's still getting usurped, which is why we need to highlight him, because it's become the Bailey Smith show. He's the mm. one that's getting memed. He's the one that's getting shared on Instagram. The Bond is being courageous, said, apparently underrated. working under, under the radar. Nostradamus Nick was right. And so <laughs> whilst he still keeps showing up, keeping quiet, doing his job, playing the underdog role, the in and underdog, then he deserves to get credited for it, praised for it. Because if they go all the way, it'll be on the back of yet another 35-plus disposal performance where he is just a cog in the machine, but what a cog he is. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's true. And Nico's been watching him a while, thinks he's the best player in the comp and those contested ball numbers, or just the possession to general, but those contested ball especially, he's a brute. Mm. I think we saw he deserves the brown line. The brown line. You want him to yeah. get the brown line. Either mm. him or Oliver, I reckon. But yeah. Yeah, yeah no. You can tell like that it. Nico has a type. He A they have to be good at supercoach. Yeah. They have to rack up the disposals. The Tom yeah. Mitchell award can go to the most loved <laughs> Nick. I Nostra mean, Bond and Pally's good at supercoach. Don't get me wrong, but mm. uh, McRae just does it on a consistent basis. So he does. You know. And he, he was a huge part of that early dominance from the doggies. I mean, those clearances after quarter time, I think it was 15 to six and it was contested mm. ball. They were up by 23. The game was over at, uh, after the first quarter. I think we'll talk about it more afterwards, but Nico, give me your hero, please, of the weekend. My hero was Max Gorn because oh, yeah. it had to be. Yeah. I mean, Gorn, but he, not forgotten. Yeah, That's it. He, that was the most dominant ruck performance I've ever seen. It was ever. Mason Cox-esque. Yeah. Um, in terms of impact, but what a, times what 10. What a statement. Um, <laughs> what an insult to one of the best players in the AFL. Nah, it's fair enough. I mean, if it, it's, no, I mean, it's the, the way pre- preliminary 
finals yeah, are famous teams. for the the, yeah. the the tall man. The yeah. bloody that 2018 game it still scars me. So yeah, it's fair enough to mention him, I guess. Yeah, just just the way he broke the game open, the the preliminary final, and that's what you love to see superstars of the game like Max Gorn playing their best game in big finals like that. And yeah, five goals. It was I've never seen anything like that from a ruckman before. Incredible. Yeah, non-stop you messaging us on Friday night when he was getting you were saying, what it is happening? It got me up and about. It Couldn't got me believe up and it. about. It was crazy. It was crazy. And and it's crazy, The I think, the journey that Max Gorn has had, you know, from smoking darts in his car on the freeway on, on the way to training and getting dobbed into the leadership group for doing that and not taking it seriously and that sort of thing to where he's become. What a story for this man. And I think... You know, his character, is there a person that doesn't like Max Gorn? Like, I know there'll be some randoms out there who don't like him, but he's a much-loved character, isn't he? He's a big superstar. And, you know, when he slotted those, I think it was the fourth goal in that, in the was it in the third term, and it was just the, the smile on your face. Everyone had a smile on their face of Maxi Gorn. Just so happy for him. Um, I think he's a champion. His journey, especially from where he's gone, where he's gone, Even his footy career <laughs> as well. Absolutely two, amazing. Two neat reconstructions yes, as well. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. What a comeback. What a comeback. Gordo, tell me your highlight of the weekend. Well, my highlight's about the vibe of the doggies, mm. and so yeah. it's a highlight. It's a bit of kudos. It's a hat tip. Because mm-hmm. they have done this exceptionally well. You'd have yep. to be the ultimate cynic to say that they deliberately lost the, the last three games of the season to become the underdogs because that's the position they'd love to be in. Yeah. But everyone underestimated this team that was literally in the top two for 20 rounds of the season. They, yeah, they were. They were, yeah, they were on top in round 20, weren't they? I think it was round 20 they were still and on top. And then all of a sudden they slip out, of, slip out of the top four and everyone's like, oh, the doggies are done. And they're like, we're not done. We're not done. That's right. And they're not done. They're so far from done, it's, it's not funny. Mm. And it, it's just that ability, I think, Bevo's proven in the last couple of seasons that they re- they're relying on stories. And so ever since the epic story of 2016, they haven't quite found that mix. They haven't quite found the thing that's going to inspire them all, motivate them all. And now they've found it again. They've got some youngsters just like they did in 2016, hitting their straps in the final series. Everyone's up and about. Everyone's like, it's going to be remarkable. And yet again, they do it from outside the four. But mm. this time they had to like manufacture that. Because really, they're just like a super good side, a super good football side. And we doubted them early doors, just like we doubt Melbourne. Well, I doubt Melbourne. You doubt Melbourne, yeah. Because it's like their, their, their game style is different. Their game style is a bit quirky. It's handball dependent. It can be shut down pretty easily. They don't, they don't rely on tools as much as other teams do. They don't rely on any, you know, um, efficiency inside 50 as much as other teams do. This mm. is what everyone said about Richmond before Richmond went on, on their dynasty. They play yep. weird football. They play chaotic football. It doesn't look right. It will work. This is all setting up very nicely for the doggies with their point of difference, their age bracket, their demographics, legends, a future couple of brown medalists in that Legends. Squad. Strong words. It's, 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 looking well. it's looking good. It's looking good yeah, for the it, doggies, it, and it's good it, to it see looking, difference yeah. be respected. Finally. It is different. I think Luke Beveridge has managed that list really well. And we know Luke Beveridge doesn't play favourites. He's, he's played who deserved a spot. And some of them, you know, it, it's it's uh, you feel sorry for them. But still, he's managed them so mm. well. Going into this game, no Alex Keith, no Cody Waitman. No Josh Bruce. Bont's going in injured with half a knee. They've gone from Melbourne to Tassie to Queensland to Perth to Adelaide. They've gone through two knockout games, including a thriller at the Gabba. They've gone through 14 COVID tests. They couldn't train the day before in South Australia. They come out against Port in in Adelaide, that hostile environment, Port, who was, what, seven in a row, 
and they smack them off the park in the first quarter. Nobody saw that coming. What a storyline that is. It was absolutely fantastic to see. Um, you know, we all tipped. Did you tip? No, Gordo tipped the dogs. Me and Nick was so confident with Port. But no, I don't think even Gordo saw the uh, the dominance coming. Seven goals, two in the first quarter. It was game over, and it was just brilliant to watch. I think that midfield is so deep. It is, the, you know, it's the deepest midfield we've seen. Like, even the guys on the outside, when you've got McRae obviously broke broke the record of, of disposals. There's Hunter, the Bond, Dunkley, Smith, Trelaw, Libba, who got the first two clearances of the game. And his opponent was off the ground. That was a mistake and a half, I thought. But, geez, how... how how good is that? And they can match it with Melbourne. I mean, there are, and the week off is going to help them. On the week off, though, like, how does, does that help? Does it hinder? Yeah. How is that going to work this year? Or will it just be really, they won't give two hoots once you quarantine for a couple of days and have a couple of training sessions? It's actually just be the fans and the pundits that are pulling their hair out and the players will be like, Whatever, yeah. we'll just play one. I think the dogs would like a, a little bit of a break, especially they've gone through some tough finals. I don't think they'd mind a little bit of a week off to refresh. But in saying that, they've done pretty well uh, backing it up week on week. And like you said, they are the underdogs and they, they seem to find an extra gear. I'm not too sure. I think it will suit the dogs more than the D's to have the week off because now the D's will have to wait again. But still, I don't know. I, I don't mind having that week before the grand final. I prefer it to the... Um, to the buy before the finals. That's just just my opinion. Nico, do you agree? You've been silent here. No, I do agree. I agree complete with that because, uh, yeah, I mean, Melbourne having a a second week off um, in what, like a three or four week period. I don't know if it's going to benefit them. Um, It'll certainly benefit the dogs more because I think they've, they've earned it with all the traveling they've done, the COVID test you mentioned it, Mm. you mentioned it all. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. I guess it just comes down to the day. Anything can happen on the day. It's whoever shows up. So I'm sure both will, you know, uh, thrive off a week's rest. Yeah, Nico, what was your highlight of the weekend, mate, in particular? Yeah, just following on from what Gordon said, uh, just the dominance of the two teams. I don't enjoy a thrashing, but, I mean, often we're disappointed when prelims turn out to be blowouts. But, I just found uh, the the performances extremely satisfying to watch, and it makes me feel like we've got uh, the two right teams playing off in the in a grand final. After we're saying someone else deserved to be there, or the real grand final was played in the prelim, but. I think we can comfortably say we've got the two sides that deserve to be there. But also it makes me feel excited that we have two teams at the peak of their powers about to play off in a grand final. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a good point, actually, because there's no question. It's not like, oh, they missed out or the umpire robbed them. Mate, there were no chance. There were the clear winners from the first mm. quarter, both sides. So I guess that's a positive you can look mm. at. Um, I want to look at something that's not too positive, Gordo. Bring us down, you negative man. What's your low light of the weekend? Well, my low light is actually... Just a bit of pump your jets action. But it cool your jets, pump the brakes. Yeah. Don't overreact to to one game. And we've seen this year that teams can Ooh. blow other teams out this year. But of mm. course, we've gone straight to the fact that, oh, you know, Scott's on the phone to to Carlton, give me a job, give me a job. You know, Hickley can't do it, gotta sack him and move on. And now, you know, Ports miss out on the chance of the premiership window. And it's like if if you'd have played those two games ten times over, they don't get that same result mm. again. They're a lot closer for probably five of them. The other team probably wins a couple so, of them. So bo- do you reckon both has been an overreaction then to Geelong and Port Adelaide? I think so. I just think we overreact because obviously every team this year has to end their season with a loss except for one. They end up, their last game of the year is a loss and every year we do the same thing and it's like, oh, what are they going to do to solve this massive problem? It's like Geelong does not have a massive problem. 
They've made this situation a lot of times, and that's a good situation to be in. They have a slight problem. They can't seem to win a grand final, but that's the same problem that 17 other teams have had for the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah, I know what you mean, but at the same time, you look at Geelong who, you know, this was like the last dance for them, I thought. You know, they topped up especially for this year, and they looked slow and they looked pretty old, to be honest, in this final series. Even the games they won, they didn't do it that convincingly against DWL, kind of, but it kind of looks like this is an end of an era a little bit. I mean, that's that's what the mm. talk's been about. I think the overreaction to Port is always going to be like that. Their fans are very harsh. They're still mm. well and truly in the window. I think there's some some easy fixes for them to be up there. Second prelim in a row. Yeah, they choked. Uh, I guess they nearly got over Richmond last year. They choked this year in front of the uh, – well, the, they had the pressure again of having a home final. But, mm. no, but for Geelong, I, I don't think it's too much overreaction because I think there is – a few problems. They they can't seem to get it done. I mean, that's just my opinion. Nico, what do you reckon about the Cats? Is it is it over? Is this the end of the era? Yes, I think so. I think, we, I mean, we've spoken about it in the past, how, you know, they've built up to this moment. Um, every, they were the premiership favourites at the start of the season. And I think the problem with them is, like, we, we've seen this uh, sort of unfold, obviously not to the extent we saw on the weekend, but, we they often not choke in finals, but they always let themselves down in finals after a great home and away season. And what's a great home and away season if you're not going to do anything in finals? And the way they bowed out, it just it feels like it feels like that's it. I don't think they can bounce back from that, given the age demographic of their team and the whole squad. Um, we're expecting a few retire, retirees, and yeah, I, I think that's it. But what's but what's like not being able to bounce back? Like, like they're going to finish sixteenth next year. They're going to they're going to no, finish the bottom think, of the ladder. Like, I, I think because if you keep if you keep trying to go again and go again and, and you're failing, like it takes a lot out of these these older players. I mean, Dangerfield and Selwood didn't have a fantastic final series, and I expected them to bounce back. Okay, I mean, Dangerfield had a broken hand two weeks ago, hmm. whatever it was, but they didn't seem to do well. And then the, even the younger players have showed flashes, like if Max Holmes, Brad Close, but they haven't really been handed big responsibilities, and maybe that cost them in the end. They don't have a lot of speed there. They've got a ruck issue. Hmm. Tom Stewart's absence was, absence was huge. Even, um, I don't know if you saw this, boys, but Cameron Ling said, about Gary Rowan, we know in finals he doesn't doesn't usually play that well. But he said, I don't know if you even play him again. He was pretty harsh on uh, Gary Rowan. I mean, it just seems. Can you ask the young, bo- the, sorry, the older boys to do it again? And when do you start to go? All right, let's hand responsibilities to these younger players. Maybe they have because they don't have a good hand in the draft. So you know, do they? What do they do? Do they trade out and try and go again? Do they accept that next year they might not be con- competing? What do they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, they're the big questions. I think it's relevant for Geelong to be worried about them i mean that's uh, does that answer your question i think think worried yeah but like the end of an era i don't think geelong's had an era they've had a a long period of consistency like they've not they've been relevant in the top eight top four conversations since the 2000s but you're not calling it an era because they haven't won anything correct technically they've they've been a top always win the, the grand final but would you rather be a Geelong fan who the, always that, rocks up in finals or would you rather be an Essendon fan who hasn't won a final in 6,270 days? They're at, they're, at the fork, they're at the fork in the road right now. So yeah. they, like Jimmy said, they, they have to decide whether yeah. to go again, which they can be criticised uh, in a year's time, like pretty much what Hawthorne was this year, mm. um, if it doesn't so. work out for them. Yeah. And all <laughs> they can, you, you know, just rebuild 
trade for draft picks and start over again, start yeah. early. Last I think Geelong's shown that you oh. can do it without having to bottom out. No, they haven't because they haven't won a premiership. Well, they haven't won but a premiership. Then, then, the, then literally the every other team in the competition has failed other than, well, other than it, Richmond it, and Hawthorne. I mean, what's, what's, what's the aim for a club? Is it to, you know... Win, but, win a premiership. But would you rather win one premiership? Would you rather be West Coast win one premiership and then be irrelevant for seven years, or would you rather be Geelong who always who wins basically every week and makes I'd finals every year? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather, rather be West Coast. Coast. I'd rather win a premiership in fifty years' time. You're not. There are so many, there are so many fans that would say the opposite. But you're saying that as a person that's won what seven premierships in your lifetime. Jimmy's saying that as a person that's won three. But that's what you'll remember in 20, 30 years' time is the premierships, not oh, finishing God, I getting personal, yeah. I think I think Essendon would. <laughs> I think Essendon fans would rather have been in Geelong's shoes than, than, than their own, even if they not win if, it. Not if, not if they win the premiership next year. The premiership yeah. makes next all year. the warriors disappear. I they think, might. They might yeah, win. I think mate, you want to be – you don't want to just be contending for so long. You want to get the ultimate success. So I think it's a big – a big thing for Geelong, they have to decide what they're going to do. And I think the criticism is fair because they, they don't have a good draft hand because they wanted to play for this year. This is this is the year that they wanted to win it and it was like their last chance sort of. Hey, last one, boys. Um, there's a little bit of talk about the virus that went around uh, Geelong and there was a few sick players and they even notified the AFL that they might um, have a lot of absentees. They might have to fly over some extra players um, because not everyone be able to get up now. Is that just an excuse, or is that is that relevant? To, could could you see that from their performance and go, oh, you know, maybe that is a it's, little bit. It can't know. be using an excuse because they all played. Hmm. Is that, that's the thing. As soon as you get cleared to play, you're fit. Yeah, too bad. I, I agree with that. To be honest, like you just Me too. like if they all if six of them got sick and they didn't play, well then you go, well, geez, that was that was unfortunate, but mm, they did. Yeah. So they yeah, exactly. Sick. They got cleared fit. Stiff piggies. There you go. Good negativity, boys. Uh, Nick, bring us further down with your low light of the weekend. My low light, I mean, every grand final is a heartbreak story. And this year it's Nathan Jones. Um, And I think along with Bob Murphy in 2016, I think Jones missing out is up there with one of the most heartbreaking stories because no heart beats truer for the red and the blue than Jones is. And, um, yeah, he was there. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but he was there through all the dark times. Yeah. Uh, he never requested to leave. He stuck it out, copped the brunt of it um, yep. when the club went through it all. And, yeah, he's the heartbeat of that club. And this story is shattering that, you know, not only uh, will he play there, but it now he's headed home for the birth of his twins, yep. which I'm sure, like, you know, uh, family comes first and, He'll say he won't mind, but he's also only human and it's only natural to feel a bit sorry for himself. And, yeah, I think that's enough for us to feel sorry for him too. Yeah, that yeah, that's fair enough. That's definitely a, a low light and a sad story. Also, the guys like Mitch Wallace as well are going to miss out. It is, mm. it is heartbreaking that they're not part of it. And it's a cruel game sometimes, but even when your team wins and you're not a part of it, it is, yeah. It is, it is heartbreaking and we've spoken. Well, unfortunately for him, I mean, it can't be a story like Bob Murphy who went up and accepted the uh, – I got the medal from Luke Beveridge. I thought that was a brilliant moment. But, um, mm. yeah, there you go. Another thing that is a little bit sad, Melbourne supporters won't be there. You know, they're, they're waiting. It's a 57-year drought and they're not going to be there. Do you, do you think it matters much? I mean, I, I don't know. For me, when, when Richmond won it last year and I wanted to bring Richmond up because I have to do every pod, I thought it was, it was great, but I've, I've – been there to a grand final. I think the Richmond people have as well. This is their first one. It's kind of like a bittersweet kind of feeling, or 
I mean, we're sitting in lockdown. You know, there's not much to do. I think this is the only bit of joy for Melbourne supporters. I don't know. How, how do you guys see it? You're not Melbourne supporters, so it's hard to answer. But, but I think, do you think it's a bit bittersweet for them? As a country kid, I think it's a different, like, life experience to me. So, like, growing up, I never really had the opportunity if Richmond ever made a grand final, which they didn't. Mm. But uh, if they had, a, I, wouldn't, I would have had a very limited chance of actually getting up there for the game anyway. Mm. So I think for, for on a national scale, the Melbourne fans outside of Melbourne are kind of like awesome. I think if you're if you're an MCC member, especially where you're kind of like guaranteed grand final tickets, you're absolutely gutted. But I yeah. think also being in lockdown for so long, you know, that would be uplifting. The, yeah. the downside, I suppose, is that you can't even do like an outdoor gathering or something. Yeah, you can't like it would be nice to just have other barbecue. humans around you to celebrate that with that isn't yeah. just on Zoom or something. That That's part's right. pretty devastating as opposed to just being at the game, not being able to do the grand final lunch party, whatever it is, and celebrate with your best with your best Melbourne friends or your best doggies friends is another yeah. year of like, yeah, that's pretty gut wrenching. Yeah, mm. Nicholas. And yeah, we've seen it in um, other leagues across the world too, in other sports. Um, Liverpool, I'll bring Liverpool <laughs> up, but they are, I mean, they, they broke a 30 year title drought with no fans in the stadium and, you know, there was no championship parade or anything like that. So, and it's happened in basketball too. It's happened, you know, across the world. So yeah, it it is bittersweet. And I think, you know, although uh, they don't get to be there, at least they can, I don't know, experience it. So I think, you know, they should still be happy with it at least. Yeah, for sure. Whatever happens, they'll still be happy with it. I'm I'm very sure. And there is a lot of people over there in in Perth. I know that. um, So a lot of Melbourne members are sending their barcodes over to um, supporters in Perth for their chance to um, get to a grand final. And those supporters would have thought they'd never, ever get the chance to go to a grand final. So there's some uh, good stories as well in this. Hey, boys, before we end off, I've got a few questions for you I want you to answer. The first one is, so far, who is the superhero of the 2021 final series? Because we all have a pin-up boy. You know, in recent times, it's been dusty. I know 2016, it was the Bont. Um, there's been different ones before. Who's who's the who's the superhero of 2021? Yeah, I'll stick with Max Gorn. I reckon Max Gorn. Yep. Yep. Gorda. The cult hero has to be Bailey Smith. He's the one mm. that seems to have taken everyone by storm. Because I think yeah. Gorn is not a surprise. Everyone knows how good Max mm. Gorn is. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. probably thinks, well, not everyone, but a lot of people think that he probably deserves a Brownlow at some stage in his career. Be the first yeah. first Ruckman since the uh, great Jim Stunts to do so. Legitimate Ruckman. But yeah. So if you guys were attending the game, would you be more likely to go out and buy a mullet wig or a fake beard <laughs> to wear at the game? Which one? We'll be back after a quick break. I just keep growing my beard longer. I think yeah, it's true. Easy. Yes, it's the option. It's a hard choice. It's yeah, a hard it's a choice. tough choice, isn't it? I've always wanted a beard. I've never wanted a mullet, so. 
Yeah, no, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I, I just got a feeling. I, I reckon whoever wins, obviously, is going to be the pinup boy. But so far, I think it it might just be Bailey Smith for me because he's come out of not nowhere, but you didn't expect him to make that much of an impact. It's a twenty year old, like unbelievable that left foot goal as well against Brisbane. But then to back it up, what he kicked four on the weekend. Geez, like it's just. He's just and the mustache as well. He speaks well too. After the game, I thought his interview was great. Hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think it's a credit to Bevo as well because I was actually I kept an eye on Bailey Smith in the last few rounds of the season, and like he was, you know, playing midfield role along the hmm. wing, and um, yeah, I, I think he struggled a bit. Um, his kicking wasn't the best. Uh, he missed a lot of targets. His efficiency wasn't great. Hmm. But then to chuck him up forward, I think he just, you know, obviously. Judge, judging on the last couple of performances, he's so well suited to that spot. So, yeah, we'll see how he goes in the grand final. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Bevo a sook? Um, he took aim. He's been complaining a little bit, Bevo. He gets his back up sometimes at, at reporters. We've seen him throughout the year have a little bit of a crack, but he took aim at the end of the game at people who had a go at, at Adam Trelaw. He was very harsh on them. He, is he having a sook or is he backing up his players? How did you see it? Because I've just got to say that. You know, these things are going to happen. Like, you're going to be written about. I don't think anyone had a personal attack at Adam Trelaw. Mm. They just mentioned that he didn't have the best game. A little bit of pressure's heaped on. Like Gordo says, you've got to fill up the news feed with something during the week, especially when there's only a select amount of teams who are currently playing. Was it um, was it a bit, bit of uh, a little bit of a sook from Bevo, or did you not mind it? I don't mind him defending his players. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like, like you said. Um, the, the newspapers have to fill up their columns with something. So, you know, there's always going to be that, those sorts of stories and articles written about underperforming players. And I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's fine for Bevo to, you know, back his player up and defend him. And yeah, I mean, who's, who's having the last laugh now? That's right. That just sounded like you were sitting on the fence there, Nick. Uh, Gordo, <laughs> give a more of a definitive answer, please. I think there's a bit of Jose Mourinho about Bevo, come on. He's he's very much a, I'm going to be really happy with you if you're happy with me and you're on yeah. board. And if you're not, I'm going to make your life really miserable. And mm. I think he's done that to players and hence there's like, what, a half list turnover since the last grand funnel, like five years ago at the Bulldogs. I think he's a very taxing, intense guy. And mm. so I think he does the same with journalists. Like you ask him a question he doesn't like, he's going to give you a really short answer and he's going to make you feel a yeah. bit stupid. Yeah. And there's a lot of coaches like that really. So is it acceptable? I think for the entertainment sake of the game, you'd want more personable people to talk to as a journalist, as a content creator, as a fan. But in terms of a player, when the chips are up and you're in grand final week, I think it's okay. Yeah. It's just when uh, you drop out of contention, the Jose effect kicks in and suddenly you're like, no, nah, this guy's a bit of a bit of a knob. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I don't mind it. It kind of suits the, the doggy's way of being underdogs and having a having a go and using the kind of mm. criticism as a, a bit of motivation. And that's what he probably did during the week. He he, he obviously took notice of the criticism of Trelaw and then he was real happy that Trelaw had a real good game and, mm. and got back. So I think he likes to play that kind of where the underdogs have a go at us, but you better not miss, mate, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't mm. mind it. And He's positioned one. himself oh. nicely for the for the grand final now. I yes. think the dogs come in as the grittier side, as the underdogs, as the everyone Canada's out and yep. Melbourne are the darlings, everyone wants to see break the drought. And so yeah. he's got his positioning nice where he wants to, where he can use it for his um, best outcomes. Quick one, actually, on Bevo, Shaki. I mean, he's been, he's just secured himself 
a, a grand final spot, but also extended his career. And, the, you know, the faith from Bevo has been great. I don't don't think anyone really would have um, picked that from Shaki. And he kept the Lear Lear quiet, which was I thought that was fantastic. He's one of the stories of the finals as well. Last mm. one, boys. Christian Petrarch is a bull. He's amazing. Absolute dominant player. I think after that 2019-2020 summer, I think that really changed him. So he went to work over the summer. He came back fit and firing, and he's been talked about as arguably the best player in the comp. If you had to pick somebody who could maybe have a transformation over the summer and be the next, you know, um, Christian Petrarca or even a Shea Bolton who did the similar thing as well, who would it be? Is there someone you're going to keep an eye on over preseason? I've picked one who I'd like to see, and I think Mm -hmm. it's Isaac Rankin for me, just because a lot of hype about him, um, early draft pick. He's been up forward, but he hasn't really. He showed signs. I'd like to for him to play more in the middle as well. If he had a really solid preseason, I think he's got that potential. Is there someone that you're keeping an eye on? Adam Chera. Adam Chera. Yeah, when nice. he yeah. arrives at his, yeah, his, new, his club. new club. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Well, to be fair, he'll need to. He's burned so many bridges at his old one that if it doesn't mm. work out at this one, there won't be many options left. So That's true. <laughs> That's true. Who's your pick, Gordo? I'm going to stick with the Fremantle theme and actually say Andrew Brayshaw. I reckon yeah, this year yeah. we saw Sam Walsh take the reins over at Carlton. Mm-hmm. And I reckon he might do the same. Fife, still a great player, still an amazing player, but he's got so much mileage in the in the car and it's a banged up chassis at the moment for, mm-hmm. for poor Fife. So I think it could be Andrew Brayshaw the son to take the reins in the middle and become the Sam Walsh of Fremantle next year. Yeah, I like it. I like it, boys. And I like this episode of the round. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Oh, I need to cut you off there oh, because sorry. you didn't mention any tweets or anything or any mail coming in from the listeners, but I've got one. Oh, Nico's got, got one. one. He's been ready. These are always good when Nico interrupts with something. Here we go, Nico. This better be good. Yep. Hashtag round review. People are writing yep, so in. I, what I, I've got a message. <laughs> I had a message from Dario Casale. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. He wrote into me Friday night after the D's embarrassed the cats. Yeah. And he said to me, he's what like, Jimmy that? owes us, as in himself and me, he owes us an apology. He called us crazy mm. for riding off Geelong during the year. But yeah. from early on, we called them slow, too old. The game plan won't stand up in finals. They mm. will crumble against high-pressure sides. It happens every year, and look what happened. So, Jimmy, I'd like my apology. No, fact, you don't get an apology. Here's why, Nico. You don't get an apology. I can hang it up on my wall. You don't get <laughs> an apology go. because yeah. because it's very easy to say, oh, they won't make it in finals if, unless they, they just have to lose – the grand final, at the very least, they lost the prelim. Like they still get deep into finals. They do. Putting, I, getting I, getting I the red say. pen out doesn't mean you can just go. I'll oh, put the red pen out through twelve teams. I'll and say one of those six right. no, 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 no. I get to get the tip. I'll say this. That's wrong. I did. No, hang on. Sorry, Jimmy. I did yeah, say no, they will yeah. finish in the top four. I said their game plan won't stand up in finals against high-pressure sides, and they lost two out of three games. They beat a depleted giant side. Well done to them. All right. I will say this. Okay, Nico. After round two, you boys put a line through them. You said Geelong were done. They were shocking. They're not going to win a game. They won't make – they'll no, struggle to make no. the eight. <laughs> okay, fine. All right, you said they were too slow. They were too old. I will say this. Okay, I will admit that you were half right, but I'm not apologizing because they had a virus. They were sick. There was no Tom Stewart. They're still champions. Watch them bounce back next year. That has been the round review. Thank you so much. 
for joining us, guys. Hashtag the round review. Get involved in the show midweek. We've got a good chat with Gavin Krasiska. We don't have a preview this week, but it'll be back next week because obviously we're getting a week off to enjoy some coffees, probably you boys. And we'll be back for the grand final week. Um, sorry, Dario, not apologizing. Nico, not apologizing either. Get it right, boys. Thanks for joining us.